suit up everybody court is in session because we have a little Aaron Brockovich in the house today woo, woo, woo. okay help me in welcoming Ashley filling gym now Ashley has a really interesting story because she was an attorney for two decades she represented fortune 500 clients and now she's kind of gone down this rabbit hole, so to speak, seeing all the effery going on with deplatforming and censorship. So she's really kind of explored and moved into this space. And I'm going to tell you what kind of the kicking off point was for that. That was really interesting. Um, she goes by kick ash law, living a kick ash life, baby. That's right. And she, like I said, is really going to enter this chat today to talk about her passion of helping entrepreneurs, people with a business, people with a message to go at it full tilt and protect themselves, protect themselves legally. She also runs Sandstar Law, where she helps set entrepreneurs and clients, right? Protect themselves legally and also living my dream life. It's fine. She accidentally owns a coastal wine shop. I mean, really just living the life of my dreams. So Ashley, welcome to Cancel Me Baby. I'm excited to go on this journey with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Let's light it up. Let's talk about all the things. Let's light it up. So like I said, you kind of have been going down this path and really discovering what is going on here with this so-called deplatforming, being censored, this kind of stifling of free speech, which is free speech, I feel like is thrown around all the time. These days is sort of watered down, but what kind of was the kicking off point? Like I said, is a good friend of yours. Also an entrepreneur has spent years building her kind of wellness um, site and brand was deplatformed for talking about vitamins, right? For misinformation and all of her sources of income were kind of cut from the head because she was deplatformed. And this made you go, huh? What, what actually is going on here? So as an attorney with your attorney cap on, I'm curious for your take on what the hell is going on? Because it's not like the days, I feel like now it's all these arbitrary rules, you know, private companies like Twitter deciding, and it's sort of these unspoken rules, right? That have sunk down versus say like the Howard Stern era, it was a little more clear cut. Like you had the FCC, you can say this, you can't say this, or you'll get kicked off the radio where now it's a big mess. So what is your take of your findings and what fires you up about all this? Well, you're right. I, I am not a first amendment attorney and fair disclaimer, this is not legal advice, but when this happened to a friend of mine who has a podcast after she interviewed a doctor about the healing power of vitamins and vegetables, she was shut down. She got a letter that said, you're, you're done on our platform. So all her courses, all her things were on there. And I didn't understand the extent to which that would affect somebody's business. So she's asking questions and I go down the rabbit hole because I get really interested in this because I believe in curiosity and I believe in the ability to speak your mind. And she kept saying, my free speech rights have been violated. And I said, girl, no, they haven't. She said, yes, they have. I'm like, no, your free speech rights have not been violated because here's the deal. We have the freedom of speech under the First Amendment to, the First Amendment keeps the government from enacting laws that prohibit our speech with certain limitations, the government. But it was a company that yes. deplatformed her. There are multiple platforms out there where we build our businesses, we, we share our voice. Like Twitter, right? So right. Twitter's private and then they can decide. And really quickly, I think that your friend's story is a really powerful one for the naysayers because I often see people going, you know, this whole cancel culture censorship, it's not real. People who complain about it, they just don't want to have accountability. They just want to be able to say whatever they want and don't have repercussions. And to an example, like your friend here, you know, this is somebody exploring something totally legitimate. And, you know, I, that's why I think that's a really, you know, strong example of the fact that it has permeated and it is everywhere. Well, here's what's so interesting about that. The letter that she got from this platform said, you are shut down 
because you're spreading misinformation. Yeah. Okay. Who at a tech company is making a decision about peer reviewed studies involving vegetables and the impact those might have on helping one battle cancer? Okay. So what we sent back without violating the attorney client privilege, we sent back something saying, okay, okay. I would be happy to show you the studies that would at least keep this out of the misinformation category and kick it back into the curiosity category. And by the way, dear president of said platform, we would like to have you on the podcast so that you can share your position on this. Crickets, crickets. You know what that reminds me of is Dave Portnoy was hit. I have a really weird, he and I, he's the founder of Barstool Sports, our paths, have this serendipitous way they keep crossing, but business insider basically did a string of hit pieces on him, accusing him very botched pieces, accusing him of basically me tooing sexual assault, all these things. I wrote a piece about it because of everything we're talking about, right. Didn't get picked up, but it got his attention. And he ended up coming on my show for an awesome conversation to talk about it for an hour. But what's so interesting is he did the same thing. He went to business insider going, why don't you come sit down with me? We'll bring a camera crew. Everything's fair game because I don't feel like these pieces are fair. Let's talk it out. And same thing crickets, right? Yeah. So it's interesting because these people are high and mighty. And then when it comes down to it, where's the backup to walk the walk, right? Right. And I think some of what happened here, maybe not in his instance, but what's happening to folks who maybe are in the category of my friend who are getting deplatformed in various places is that the bots are out there searching, 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 and the, it, it's overbroad what they catch. And then the humans have to get involved and make a decision what to do. And fr from a legal standpoint, having represented companies for years, they have terms and conditions of use, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody reads them. It doesn't make any difference anyway, because it's take it or leave it. And those terms and conditions say we get to make a decision, but in order for them to be effective and to protect the company, they have to apply it evenly or um, the same way across the board. And so the companies are probably erring on the side of caution. Um, but again, who makes that decision? What's interesting though about that is that, right, it's kind of the same rules apply to everybody, but I feel like there's such a double standard when it comes to canceling, so to speak, or punishing or reprimanding people in entertainment, media, pop culture, right? That kind of thing. It's like, we've seen, you know, an example I give is, you know, Gina Carano, she's a star. Well, she was of, you know, the star Wars, this big star Wars show. And she was canceled by Disney for posting a meme. Um, Pedro Pascal, she's right leaning, right. Pedro Pascal, also a star of that show posted a very similar meme. He's left leaning and he has his job. Right. And she was fired. I mean, same thing goes right. Like Whoopi Goldberg and her comments on the view about the Holocaust, if that were anybody else, they would be so canceled. So that's, what's interesting is that in theory, it should be consistent. I've talked about this a lot, but when it, that's what I mean about these kind of unspoken made up arbitrary rules. It's like, so case by case. And I feel like it's so not consistent. So many people get a pass and there's such a double standard, you know? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you've got this, you've got deplatforming, taking somebody else, you've censored them. This not quite cancel culture, but it moves into that. And the whole social concept of cancel culture is feeding corporate culture in how they approach this. And it's concerning wow. that we are in a culture where we don't have discourse, where we don't disagree. Well, that's what's so interesting, your point about deplatforming, because the naysayers and the skeptics will go, that's not really canceling. But in a way, to your point, it's taking away somebody's visibility. Like your friend, it's cutting off their you know, their, their income, their revenue, right? It keeps people from actually seeing them and engaging. So you're right. It's like, and then what these big companies take a cue from that on a larger scale, but there's so many levels of it that it's everywhere now. It's a slippery slope. 
And it's just, from my perspective, it's a societal problem that we can't learn from one another and disagree with one another and have some disharmony. Yeah. That's how we learn. A hundred percent. That's the, you know, that is the summary of my show. Cancel me, baby. Right. It's like, come at me because we need to have these conversations. And I know something that really, like you just said, that really fires you up about it is the fact that we can't even have discourse. It's like the sensitivity and what's, what's allowed and what's not. And it's really sad. I had a guest last week and he put it perfectly. He said, you know, we're, we've become so uncomfortable, uncomfortable with the uncomfortable. And I know that you take, you know, issue with that because how do we communicate? How do we have discourse? How do we move forward? You know, what are we supposed to be robots? Like, how do we move forward from here? Here's a really interesting thought that I found when I was researching this for my friend, right? There was a fella in 1997, his name was Michael Landier, and he wrote an, um, an essay about internet cancellation, internet censorship. Uh-huh. And he said the obvious that we're talking about, that is it's counterproductive, it yeah. shuts down conversation. Mm-hmm. But the other thing he said that just, I can't get it out of my head. He said, those who impose censorship must consider what they censor to be true, because if they believed their position alone to be correct, they would just debunk it and move on. So That's interesting, right? Yeah. The canceler or the censor or is a little scared that there might be some truth in what's being shared. That's really an interesting concept. And, you know, I would encourage people because we become so in our little boxes. I don't know about you, Ashley, and you guys listening, but I will purposely, because of this, follow people that I despise, that I disagree with, because I don't want to stay ignorant. And in my own little world, I actually want to know what they have to say. I don't have to like it. I don't have to agree, but I need to be open-minded to the fact that these views and these thoughts exist, right? Yeah. Okay. A little personal, but I lived in big law for 20 years and I was surrounded by, frankly, people who looked like me, acted like me, thought like me, processed the world like me. And I took a, a, you know, a dive off a cliff out of that world and what a joy it is to be surrounded by people that think differently than I do, that approach the world in a whole different way. That's how we grow. Gosh, how boring was that? I mean, when you think about it, I mean, we've seen with the Deb Heard case, which we might get to in a bit, but both sides present their argument, right? There's two sides to every story. There could be two completely different views or experiences of the same thing. So when you really think about it, what does it serve us to act like there's one singular way to think, experience, correct thought, right? How damaging. Right. Oh, how limited. And how limited, right? And boring. Well, that's the thing too that I talk about on my show all the time. It's Mm -hmm. that, you know, this woke culture, so to speak, really prides themselves on you know, diversity and this or that. Yeah. It's the, they're the first to bully attack, shut somebody up who has a different outlier, you know, thought or opinion or way of thinking. Right. So one is not like the other, like, why does it not apply, you know, to our convert our dialogue? You know, it's really sad. You want a little ray of hope in here? Yes. Let's, let's start some hope in the mix. So social psychology has a concept called resilience that gave me a ray of hope as I was researching this, because what it says is once I know that a platform is censoring content, for example, the news media, I know they censor content, then I'm going to listen to that through a filter of, I know there's something else out there that they're not sharing with me. That is our nature. And so I'm hoping that folks stay in their resilience mode. Yeah. Curiosity and freedom and resilience, right? They all kind of go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. I'm really thinking about this example that you gave. We're going to get into some pop culture, you know, celebrity and expression and speech and on, and 
And lastly, I want to talk about, you know, how do you protect yourself? Because to your point, it is all a slippery slope, right? And it's all very unknown and could be flip, you know, at the flip of a switch, you know, you're turned off. But I'm, I'm really thinking about the example you gave about the canceller, right? Kind of being, they're canceling because they're like threatened. Maybe there's some truth in it, right? They can't handle and opposing thought, you know, that whole concept is really interesting. Now, something I was going to ask you about later, but I feel like it may or may not tie to this. I want your take on it is, I don't know, have you followed the whole Disney and Florida rivalry going on with Ron DeSantis and the don't say gay bill and Disney, right? So Ron DeSantis, for those of you who don't know, and you're living under a rock, proposes this bill that prohibits, you know, grade school kids being taught about or sexual orientation, all this or that in the classrooms, Disney, huge corporation ends up at first, not speaking to it, but then they got flack. So then they speak to it saying how abhorrent, you know, disrespectful, all this, right. That it is. That's the other thing with these cancellations too, right. The words they use are always so dramatic. Um, so dramatic. <laughs> so dramatic. Uh, and so Ron DeSantis then retaliates going, well, I'm going to take away the special privileges tax wise that Disney world has here in Florida, because basically they operate as their own kind of city. Now people don't know if this is, if this is going to hurt the people living outside Disney world, if they're going to pay the price, if this is really slapping Disney on the wrist, either way, it's kind of this interesting like, first of all, who would have thought that a governor and this entertainment company, like, this is where we're at, right? That they would go head to head on a mainstream level. But there's a part of it that makes me think about what you're saying, like these people in power shutting the other up and punishing people. Now, when I was saying that, I saw you kind of shaking your head, like you totally follow and know what's going on. So does that apply to this? And what do you think about that whole thing? Yeah, I, I live down there. So I'm watching this. I also have children who go to a school that in kindergarten were drawing huge posters supporting gay pride and love is love and plastering them all over the school windows where folks could see. So you see where I come down on that, but in uh, like, kindergarten, in kindergarten. And yes. Because like they're learning their AB colors and ABCs. They need these like flags yeah. everywhere. Give me a break. We got to have some rainbows going on with that too. But yes, I mean, this, this is an example of, I will use my power to shut you down, to keep you in check. And it's really concerning when the government gets involved yes. in that and uses its power. And that will be, it'll be fascinating to see that work its way through the courts. In the meantime, and that'll take years, years. In the meantime, we have the court of public opinion. Yes. You know, folks are going to keep going to Disney. This battle about, about Disney respecting the rights of people to love who they love has been going on for years and years. I remember when I was coming out of law school, it was an issue between the churches and Disney and churches wow. boycotting Disney for taking a stance then. So this isn't new. That's so interesting because I feel like given that we are in this climate and I've explored this on my show as well is what is it an entertainer or an entertainment company's place to interject and speak up about politics. But interestingly, to your point, it's gone back maybe in a way that we don't realize or reflect on, right? Like we think that it's all just because we're in such a polarized divisive time, but that's really interesting. Yeah, we think all of this debate is new and fresh, but this has been going on in media for years. It, I was looking back at this. There was a debate in 1969 between the Federal Communications Commission commissioner and uh, president of, I think it was CBS. Okay. And the, the government official was saying, hey, look, you, you're putting the news, but you're putting your slant on it. And we want that to stop. And the, the company said, but we can, because we're not you and we're not the government. Mm. And this is our business and we're going to run it how we want. So this debate has been going on mm. that just the, the platforms have changed, but the debate well, is the same. And the thing that's interesting now is that these networks and these media platforms do that. They have their bias, they have their slant. 
which fine. Okay. I used to be like, can't you guys just be objective? But I think we've moved past that point. My problem is they don't own it. They act like they're like, what? No, we're unbiased. Right. And it's like, just own it and be transparent. I saw the funniest clip um, the other day with a CNN correspondent and a famous country singer. And he was talking about, you know, given what just happened in Uvalde, he was talking about, you know, listen, I support the second amendment. I'm a gun owner, but out of respect, I'm going to opt out of this NRA big convention, you know, that's happening. So he's talking to the correspondent and he's like, you know, I know that I'm probably a little more, you know, right-leaning than you guys at CNN, but blah, blah. And it's so funny because she gets so uptight and she's like, I'm not left or right. I'm just trying to get the facts, you know? Yeah, she's rolling her eyes. And it's like, come on. Like, we all know where CNN sits, just like Fox News. And it's so silly. It's like, just be upfront about it, guys. Like, just stop hiding it, you know? Come out of the closet. That is your, you know, board meetings. Come on. Well, but okay, let's let's take it a step farther, right? So folks know that there's that bias there. So Silicon Valley creates these different platforms for us to share information and exchange ideas outside of that. And um, what a blessing those have been. So what's so interesting is now those platforms are deplatforming. And in part, it's, it's because they are international companies and the European Union is imposing some uh, bigger restrictions on those companies than say the US might. But if they wanna do business worldwide, they have to be mindful of the restrictions worldwide. And so it'll be interesting to see how Silicon Valley starts to push back on some of that um, as we move forward. Before we pivot to that, Yeah. Last thoughts on, again, the Disney Florida battle. Do you think that this is just like, is it necessary? Is it both of these powerful entities just, you know, so to speak, like just trying to show their dicks off? Like what actually, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) what actually is the outcome and what is the purpose of all this? Or is it again, just kind of fueling the culture war? I think in part it fuels the culture war, but you know, both sides, it goes back to this very binary view of the world. Both sides are very entrenched in yes. their position and willing to fight for it. And I I like that on some level. I don't like how contentious it has to be. I wish we could all just have a conversation and get along. And you know, it's a small world and all of that, but that's not where we are. Um, and sometimes, you know, maybe this is just fueling a conversation on a bigger level. Right. Yeah. It is. I mean, when you think about it, think about, I like how you say, I like, I can respect that both entities have their respective views and think of it as a dinner party. How boring would it be if everybody was just a carbon copy of the other person had the exact same point of view experience you know, thing to say, which is, I feel like what they like want us to be these days, how boring. I mean, isn't that what's so, you know, exciting and liberating about being human, right? Like evolving and bringing different ideas and making people think about things. It's Mm -hmm. different when it's the government versus a platform that you chose and you decided to sign on to. And that's scary. That's true. No, that's where I take very, very much of an issue with it. And I think the thing is like, even though these companies like Instagram and Twitter, to your point, you don't have to use them, but the scary part is they become our way of communicating. I mean, you have world leaders literally like in Ukraine, they're like, Elon Musk, can you help us on Twitter? Like it's become our way of communicating. So that's, what's kind of scary. They're kind of like mini governments in and of themselves, right? Like dictating the flow of conversation and and language and information. So yeah, so we just have to be very aware of what we're right. consuming and the limitations on the wholeness of what we're seeing. Right. Yeah. Now, speaking of, and I, I realized I said the expression wrong. I think it's to pull their dicks out. But speaking of, <laughs> let's talk, I don't know where you sit politically. And I don't think that it should matter when it comes to this. I think that this is very concerning, but you know, you talk about Silicon Valley and these private companies making decisions. What are your thoughts on 
when Trump got banned from Twitter, from Facebook for, you know, they said he was inciting violence. Really quickly, I'll just say Emily Ratajkowski, famous uh, model, you know, music video vixen. I thought she said it perfectly saying, if they can shut him up and off, they can sh shut any of us up and off. And she got so much flack, but isn't that it? I mean, that is the very definition of censorship, right? That we're going to shut you down because you're spreading misinformation. You're saying something that's politically unacceptable. You're endangering somebody or it's obscene. Okay. So they get to make that decision, but it is very scary. I agree that, you know, any of us could be shut down for having an opinion. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the kind of smaller, and these are kind of pop culture, you know, fun pop culture examples, but I think while they're not as, you know, massive as, you know, the president of the United States getting shut out, right? I do think that it's kind of these little day-to-day -day interactions and exchanges and people having to apologize, whether it be joking or whatever, that has seeped so far into our psyche that we're so scared and walking on eggshells with what we say. So here's an example. Again, this isn't necessarily like a compelling argument someone made moving, you know, cultural dialogue forward, but Avengers cast members a couple of years ago, Chris Evans and Jeremy Renner are sitting down with a female reporter. Okay. And she asked them about Scarlett Johansson's character, Black Widow, her romantic, something like who she's romantically, her character's flirting with or seeing in the movie or whatever. And they're at the end of promoting this movie, like they're exhausted doing this whole promotional run. And Jeremy Renner makes a comment like, you know, oh, that one, she's a little slut. And Chris Evans starts cracking up and he's like, yeah, that whore. And even like, they're all just like cracking up. They're joking. Even the female reporter is like cracking up and they ended up having to come out and apologize saying it was so juvenile. It was so tasteless. You know, there was one tweet saying, you know, this is how deeply integrated, you know, sexism is and men are how oblivious men are. So I think while it's minuscule, I just wanted your thoughts because I think it's, it's such a poignant example of even jokes. Like what's the line, right? Before we hopped on, you're like, let's walk the fine line. So when it comes to, you know, celebrity or not, and, you know, speaking up or joking, conversing, like what's the line? Have we lost sight of like, even, you know, humor? What if a woman had said that? What so if say a woman... Scarlett, so say Scarlett Johansson was like, oh, he's a playboy womanizer trying to F everything. No. Well, okay. Yeah. There's that point. It probably wouldn't have been received the same way, but what if another act, actor who's a woman came on and said the same thing? Like she's a little hussy. Oh, that, one. Oh, that bitch, that whore. Right. It, it would be, it would hit differently. Yeah. And guys have to walk eggshells these days. Um, it, it, it's true. Where is the place for humor? How, where is the grace for them being at the end of their campaign? But then you can see how, how hard women have fought for the right to have a voice, to be respected, to be accepted in the boardroom, all of these things. So I, I'm not trying to be wishy-washy. I'm just saying, I can say, I can see both sides of this, but why are we so hard on one another? Why are we yeah. so punishing? Right. And that is my point. Not that I'm defending these guys. If I were in the room, maybe I'd be laughing, maybe not. I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> But again, it's that idea of examples like this sinking into our day-to-day -day interactions with family, with friends in, in a board meeting, to your point, you know, and we talk about the dramatic apologies. It's again, like both of these guys coming out, it was so juvenile. It was so tasteless. It's like, was it like, was it totally necessary? Probably not. But also like, really, do we, do we really need to go to these? Like, like, come on. Also it's it, to your point. It's like, okay, when's a joke, a joke, you know, and when's it malicious? Yeah. Yeah, let's give folks the benefit of the doubt once in a while that, that people, I think genuinely, maybe I'm naive, but I think people genuinely, for the most part, have the best of intentions. 
but we are human and everything we say and do is caught on camera, on film and everything today, not just movie stars, not just celebrities, but all of us. So let's give one another a little bit of grace. If they're like, oh, I don't want to get myself in a bind legally here and say the wrong thing. So I'm just going to bow out. You know, I don't know if that's also a slippery slope. You're talking about defamation, right? In- intentionally or slander, spo- slander is spoken, defaming is written. Like I- intentionally taking someone down using false information. That's one thing. I see where we're going here, right? Well, that's to your point. Yeah. And I guess the guess I had on last week Mm-hmm. is very clear because it all has become so mishmash, wishy-washy, slippery slope. But he brought a good point, which is what you're saying. Like it's all become so subjective and arbitrary, but at the end of the day, the law is the law period. Mm-hmm. So, right. It's like, where's the line? And I have a personal experience about this. I want your take on. And then when is it actually defamation, right? Like there's the law to determine that right there. Right. right. But even there, somebody has got to make a judgment call based on the facts that are presented. Was it, was it intentional? Was it malicious? Was it untrue? An example of what I'm talking about, right, is I wrote an op-ed a couple years ago calling out Chrissy Teigen. I was calling her a hypocrite. It was an opinion piece saying she was claiming to have been getting bullied on Twitter. And I said, you're being a hypocrite because you're turning around bullying these random people on Twitter. Right. So it's like, pick up, pick a lane. So she ends up, it was, it got national attention. She came after me. She came after the outlet. It was for VH1 very publicly and cancel culture before it's time. Basically VH1 sided with her. So I decided to walk away And it was the most unnerving experience. It ended up working out in the end, but I was like fresh in my career. I was like, oh my God, my career is going to be over. And the, the, you know, the part of your brain I wanted to pick is at the time I remember going, can she sue me? I'm little old Taylor. I live in a, basically a studio apartment. Like can Chrissy Teigen, this, this big, larger than life person, like sue me over this. And that's why I think there's a lot of contentious energy, especially now between journalists, writers, thinkers, high profile people. Like, is there a threat? I've seen her do this with other reporters. Is there a threat there with legal implications of, you know, speaking your mind against someone with power, I guess. Can she sue you? Yes. And so there are a couple of things going on there. There's leverage, right? Is she would sue you to prove her point, to make herself right, to say, I believe my position so strongly that I'll go to the mat on this. That's one thing. And number two, to set a precedent for, hey, anyone else who wants to try this, watch me. Yeah, that's, I mean, there are- that the law is um, leverage in these situations. That's scary. I'm sorry that happened to you, but look what it launched for you. It actually was the greatest blessing in disguise. And it ended up being such a weird 360 moment because this was years ago. And then cut to last year. This is another time I thought actually she was going to sue me over, over a piece I'd written because the whole... It all came to light, her past of cyberbullying, telling, you know, random strangers up to high profile people to go kill themselves, just awful, vile, rotten things. Mm. And it came to light. And so I ended up writing another op-ed and it landed in USA Today. And I said, you know, I, I was someone who called this out and got national attention for it years ago. But to your message, my point of the article was, this, I still don't think she should be canceled. Like this tip for tap, both sides do it. It goes round and round. It doesn't get us anywhere, right? Till everyone's taken out. So again, last year I was like, okay, here we go. Chance number two, bullseye on my back for this lady to sue me. But also what would I give her? Like this plastic cup here, have at it. Like, yeah, but I want to celebrate you because a lot of folks wouldn't go to the mat twice. It's pretty amazing. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? Somebody has to do it. And I feel like in this world now where we're seeing people be cowards and afraid to speak up more than ever, it's just all the more reason to speak up. Right. And, you know, go against the man, so to speak. So, 
I mean, you asked me earlier, what, what can we do about this kind of thing? I think as we speak up, we do it with curiosity, with respect, with sound journalism that's backed up with balance and facts and that kind of thing. And the more you stay in that space and also have some options on where you would move your platform, let's say you were deplatformed one place or um, shut down in one medium based on the article that you submitted. Okay, well, the, the great thing about our culture is we've got more than one platform. So you can right. just keep putting your voice out there in different places. And that mm -hmm. sort of competition in the market is important for us to sustain the ability to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. That's so yeah. true. That's such a good way of thinking about it. And it's, you know, we've become so accustomed to the Instagram, the Twitter, right? The run of the mill places. And honestly, I don't know if your clients with their own businesses and endeavors and messages say this, but I forget about what you're saying, which is there are a lot of platforms there are a lot of places. And so it can feel, you know, frustrating and intimidating because you feel it's very limiting. Right. And, and it's also very scary because you're like, like what happened with your friend? Someone could just decide overnight, you know, like an intern over at Twitter, you know, taking a break from their coffee run for, you know, getting coffee for the office. They could decide, right. you know, let's take so-and-so off. So it's, you just don't, it's like Russian roulette for creators, right? You just don't know what'll flip the switch. Yeah. So. I had the most random thing happen to me the other day. I reposted, uh, I, I put a, somebody else's post up on my stories and it was about, it was silly. It was lighthearted. I was like, this is my actual life. It was about being, you know, a, a working mom, running a business, trying to manage life. It was not a big thing. Okay. And within minutes, I had a warning that said the fact checkers have decided that your content lacks context. Big old red thing up on my story. And I just went, you know, um, what kind of context do you need about a single mom running a few different businesses? Like what, what more do you need? Isn't it, it insanity? Yes. I saw the best quote the other day and it talked about how, whatever it is, Twitter, Facebook, it started off of the, as, you know, as these platforms to share the most silly, mundane, you know, I had a breakfast sandwich today and there was two eggs on it, not one, lucky <laughs> me, thank you, McDonald's, whatever, the <laughs> stupidest things, right? Yeah. And now it's just become this like battlefield of yeah, thought. Like and it's fun. like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just a little fun. All the spontaneity and fun, right, right. Yeah. And it's just become so hostile and toxic. I mean, I never use Twitter for this very reason. It is so toxic, you know? Mm -hmm. So I do want your, I know we, we hinted on this. Oh, well, okay. Do I want to do the Kylie Jenner free nipples? You do, well, let's do that before the depth thing. You do. Okay. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. You totally do. Yeah. I feel like we need to go here because you actually hinted at this earlier, right? How hard women have worked to get to where we are. This is something I explore on my show all the time. Mm -hmm. And free speech is one thing, but I feel like something that kind of gets like washed away is also the idea of free expression, art, you know, however you want to, you know, writing, whatever it is. And um, Kylie Jenner, posted a photo of her in this string bikini, but the bikini is prints of, I don't know if they're actually her nipples, probably, because I don't know what else these people do with their money. So she probably went and got this made. <laughs> and it's this bikini right up close titty shot. And it says in the caption, you know, free the nipple. So this one with or without doesn't necessarily need your attorney hat on just as a woman. Um, your perspective on that is that really like equality and like, there's a part of me that's like, and listen, this is for somebody like, this is coming from someone who I was in Playboy in a whole feature about free expression. So there's a part of me that's like, I respect it. Then there's the other part I'm already hearing from my listeners being like, okay, really dude, is this advancing women? Really? Like, is this for attention? You know, your thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to give you my thoughts as a woman, but I'm also going to give you my thoughts as an attorney. Yes, because, let's go. Yeah, let's Take do it. Law. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, girl, you do you. It's sensationalism. It's, you know, in our culture today, you have seconds to capture someone's attention. Somebody told me yesterday, I don't have the data on it, but that goldfish have a longer attention span than we do right now, Jesus. which is shocking. So this is what our culture sort of encourages to get this sort of debate going. You know, you do you. I'm surprised that the platform hasn't already taken it down, given the fact that they would question my innocuous little post, but it's still there and the conversation's still going. So have at it from my perspective. And, and then the rest of us women, however we want to stand, we're going to stand our ground and present ourselves the way we want to be seen on an individual level. Yeah. Period. That's, that's between me and the rest of the world, not. I, that hers, her positioning is not my business. That's my personal opinion. You want the legal on it? Yeah. Okay. So back in 1964, there's a famous Supreme court case, the first amendment, the government can only limit your voice or your expression in certain situations. And one of the places they can do that is respect with respect to quote, hardcore pornography. Okay. And the Supreme court justice is famous for having said, well, I can only define obscene so many times, like really, uh, I know it when I see it. It's subjective what's obscene. I'll know it when I see it. That's the Supreme Court in 1964. Like, what does that even mean? What does that mean? And how do I make my decisions as a company based on what's obscene if it's I'll know it when I see it? So what might be obscene to me isn't obscene to somebody else, you know, so that's my point about the picture. It it definitely is attention grabbing. What's your perspective? That's really interesting. And also I feel like quickly, I definitely have strong opinions, but I feel like that's almost an issue I have with the, to bring it back to the DeSantis, you know, sexuality with kids bill is it's that idea. It's like, I'll know it when I see it. Like a problem I do have with it is that it is vague and it leaves for that exact, that subjective, like, like don't talk about orientation or how you identify sexually with kids K through, I think it's three, but it's like, well, what does that even mean? Right. So I think that's ripe for all kinds of issues. It's like that subjective uh, thing, but I'm going to take the Kylie Jenner thing somewhere else. Okay. I actually find it interesting how you know, we see this going on, right? And you can applaud it and be like, yeah, girl, I've gotten such a mix already of responses from my viewers. Like, yeah, girl, go at it, free that nipple and others being like, yeah, okay, attention, we get it. Like move it elsewhere, right? Like sensationalism, titillizing, so to speak. (laughs) Great. (laughs) And I feel like when you zoom out, right? We're also in a culture that complains about every little thing. I talked about this with my guest last week, but it's like, we're so spoiled that we've run out of things almost to complain about. So we come up with all this stuff, right? And especially about being a woman, I feel like there are still so many complaints about, you know, women being like suppressed or, you know, the pay, you know, under the patriarchy's thumb and not being able to make choices in this and that, right? And while it's certainly not perfect, I also like I look at this, right? And I'm like think about countries in this world right now where a lit a woman literally would be shot. I'm not even exaggerating and not to be dark would be shot dead in the street for that. So you're right. Right. I think about that and I'm like, man, whether you love it or hate it, like, let's put some things in perspective. Like at least we are in a place where if that's how you want to express yourself and you, like you said, you do you, we have that privilege and that right here. I mean, think about like even in Afghanistan, right? Where women now have everything taken out from under their feet, education, you know, ability to be their own, like liberated, you know, in work and at, you know, school, sexually, whatever it is. Like I said, you'll get, you know, there are some countries where literally women are stoned to death in the street for stepping out of line for an affair, whatever it is. And it's like, here we are, you know what I mean? So it just, I don't know. I just, I kind of take a bird's eye view and it's like, let's have some perspective here when we are also, you know, complaining about how women in this country have it so hard, I guess. Right. What a beautiful perspective. Thank you for that. That that really does put it in perspective. It's, it's a, a matter of gratitude. I look 
what we have. We have the ability to put up a nip shot if we really feel so compelled to do so. Gratitude. Yeah. And again, it's not perfect. At the same time, let's not lose sight of how much we are able to do what we want to do. Right. Um, Gosh, thank you for bringing that to the conversation. Thank you. Thank you for being so receptive and and great. Um, Lastly, I know we, this is a little bit of another thing, right? Playing kind of in the idea of womanhood and all this and victimhood. And I know it's very, you know, he said, she said crazy, but the Depp Heard case obviously is so, talk about sensationalized. What this outcome, obviously Johnny Depp, you know, won it by a landslide and what it says for not only celebrities mixing with law and the sensationalism, but also what it means for women. This was something that was tried in the court of public opinion, as well as in the courtroom. Yes. And it was dramatic as it tends to be. Look, when I was in law school, they were trying the OJ Simpson case. Sensational media. I mean, we were all on the edge of our seats just as we were here. And it's an interesting way for a society to make decisions. The courtroom is theater. The courtroom is sensationalism. Um, I I hope that we as citizens understand that. And let me give you two quick examples of how this plays out. All right. My very first case I tried in Rome, Georgia, in federal court with a fellow named Bobby Lee Cook. You know who he was? He was the basis for Matlock, the TV show that was so popular for years about this sensational criminal defense attorney. Okay. Wow. There's drama in the courtroom. Another example, I represented a fortune 100 company back in the day that I did jury work for, for several years. And we were trained by Hollywood acting coaches and screenwriters. I can't say anything more than that, but here's what happens in the courtroom, right? We all have the same evidence. We've looked at the evidence for years before the before these folks ever ended up in the courtroom. They all had the same book of evidence. It's who can tell the better story based in evidence and facts. That's what's happening in the courtroom. I just got chills. It's like- Why? Sh- I, because it's that idea. It's almost like that idea with Shakespeare, right? Like all the world's a stage. So it makes you wonder, like, what's real? Sure. Right? Sure. I mean, it has to be grounded in fact, but a good attorney can take a fact and turn it on its head any which way you want. Right. So some of it is a question of which attorney was able to use the facts to their advantage, who sat in that witness chair and charmed the jury. It's the same thing, you know, in the media. Who, who charms the media? Who gets more airplay and why? That's and then really once they have more airplay, how much more influence do they have? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my take on it. That's so interesting. And not to bring it back to him, but oddly enough, it kind of reminds me of a Trump is on like a Trump thing because think about it, like left, right, it doesn't matter they were, it's almost like the queen bee in high school, like love him or hate him or jealous of him. Like everybody was obsessed with talking about him 24 seven. And it's like, is somebody like that, you know, in the courtroom or not, or on the public stage, right? Like the world stage, just really manipulating everybody to be sort of infatuated like one way or the other. I don't know. It just makes me think of that because yeah. Yeah. And, and I, Okay, so let's talk about using the media or the, the the jury for manipulation. Yes, right. I can't say who was right there because okay, let's assume that um, that he was indeed right. Can you use your influence to drive the conversation? We're certainly all talking about some very serious, heavy, emotional issues in society right Right. now. So where's the manipulation versus where's the discourse? Again, we said at the beginning, it's a fine line. Yeah. 
Wow. How interesting. Well, Ashley, this has been so fun. I feel like it went by, I don't know about you. I feel like it went by in a blank. Actually, I'm looking at my notes and there is one last thing I forgot to touch on that. I just wanted uh-huh. your kind of fun take on, um, again, with the attorney, uh, cap on is your thoughts on safe spaces. Tell me more. So safe spaces, I feel like is this thing now that's percolating, whether it be in schools, in corporate, you know, businesses, whatever. And it's like, I need my safe space, right? It's like a safe space free of like trigger zones and all this. And I kind of see it as a silly, like, you know, an indicator of how sensitive our society has become. So just wanted to see if you had any thoughts on the idea of, you know, safe spaces taking, taking the world by storm. Okay. Um, two things. <laughs> Toughen up, buttercup. All right. Period. A thick skin will go very far in the professional world and in life. Um, I'm not saying take it on the chin every time, but come on now. And then the flip side of that is we each create our own safe spaces in life. Uh, each of us has had trauma in our life and we learn how to carve out Mm -hmm. our own personal way of dealing with those things and processing them. And if you, if you, if you don't, man, you got, you got some trouble ahead. Yeah. We are all, people are being babied way too much. And I just say period, amen to what you just said. Um, lastly, very quickly, um, you know, given your work, I know you are, your last post on Instagram was about, you know, being a force in the world, again, entrepreneur, whatever it is, you know, having confidence, you talk about ownership and freedom. So given that you, you said, you know, my clients do have concerns in this space, you know, given those concerns, given all the slippery slopes, given your passion to build people's confidence and assurance, uh, quick, you know, tips for people to navigate the space, move on with their message and, you know, move forward. Yeah. um, Be aware of the situation. Understand that you are building a house on rented land and have a contingency plan in place. Understand what your backup platforms are. Understand before you build a business on a platform, what the risks and limitations are. Have your content. Your content is yours. The platform is the company's. So have your content ready to move at any given time so that it doesn't shut you down so that you can very quickly continue to share your message. And then also, like I said, practice sound journalism, stay in your truth, stay in spaces that you can back up what you're saying, Um, come at it with um, um, an attitude of discourse and not harming one another. And, and I think those are the, the good places to start. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate your spunk, your willingness to just be on the spot. I didn't tell you any of this beforehand. So I so appreciate your willingness to go there and offer your perspective. Ashley, thank <laughs> you so much. What a pleasure you are. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for sharing your voice. You are going to touch so many people Yeah, you're really going to help move the needle in the right direction of how we continue to grow with one another. Yeah. Thank you so much. That is the goal. So I so appreciate that. And I so appreciate you being a part of it. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to move forward with this energy and live a kick-ass life. So (laughs) let's do it. 